All right, Wild Card Weekend almost wrapped up here. Want to give you my thoughts from what we've seen so far uh, from both Saturday and Sunday. We can't start anywhere else but with the most shocking and I think most consequential game of the weekend. And that was the Packers blowing out the Cowboys 48 to 32. In my 29 years on this earth, I have never seen a more devastating, embarrassing Cowboys loss than what we saw on Sunday. Like we could talk about the Romo dropped hold. We could talk about Dak sliding and running out of time against the 49ers two years ago. All embarrassing, all bad, all devastating. I think all of them pale in comparison to the embarrassment we saw on Sunday at Jerry World. I mean, this was a Cowboys team who was at home, winners of 16 straight home games, facing a rookie quarterback on those playing his first playoff game on the road. I know he's not a rookie, but this is his first year as a starter. He's basically a rookie quarterback after sitting now, facing Jordan Love making his first playoff start on the road and you look at the path in the nfc if you're the cowboys this was your easiest path to the nfc title game for the first time since 1995 it was all there made for you this was hand picked easiest way to get back and break that long streak of not making the nfc title game and you blew it you didn't even blow it you got blown out you weren't even competitive and that, to me, is why this is the worst loss of the last 30 years for the Cowboys in the playoffs. At least with Romo, the drop told you were close. At least with Dak sliding, you had a chance to tie the game against the 49ers. You, this game was over in the first quarter. You weren't even competitive. You didn't even give yourself a chance to blow it late. I've not seen a more painful loss than that for Dallas. And it's going to be the most consequential because Mike McCarthy's losing his job. Right there, we're not, there's no world we're living in where Mike McCarthy is the Cowboys coach in 2024. And honestly, by the time you're listening or watching to this, McCarthy may already be fired. That is all but a certainty. He will not be the coach in Dallas of 2024. He is going to be the one where the, the head's going to roll, right? McCarthy's going to be the one to pay for this loss in terms of him getting fired. The coach, though, I was the most disappointed with on Sunday was not McCarthy. It was Dan Quinn. I mean, he coached that defense like he was already in Seattle. Like he was already in his mind the Seattle head coach. And the faster the playoffs could end, the faster he's now taken over his new team. That was an that was brutal. That was disgusting. I mean, we have watched this Cowboys defense. And part of the reason why I thought this was going to be the biggest blow of the weekend in favor of Dallas was because this defense would just get after and overwhelm Jordan Love, even though he's been playing well um, down the stretch here. I thought this Cowboys defense that was fifth in the regular season in terms of total defense, fifth in passing defense, fifth in scoring defense, I thought they'd put Jordan Love in a blender. They would overwhelm him, get after him, hit him, pick him off a few times, and just make him look like it's his first playoff start. I really thought Dallas was going to blow the Packers out in large part because the defense is going to set the tone and just put the clamps on this Packers offense. And it was the complete opposite. It was the complete opposite for how dominant the Packers defense was, or the Cowboys defense was in the regular season. We saw the opposite on Sunday. That's on Dan Quinn. That team was not coached properly. There was a big time lack of execution. There was no pressure whatsoever. I mean, 
no sacks, three quarterback hits. You let Love sit back there and pick you apart, and he did. Made it look easy. 143 rushing yards on the ground, so there's some really good balance. Run game to the pass game. Yeah, Jordan Love, I mean, airing it deep time after time, averaged 13 yards per completion, in part because he's sitting back there unpressured. And it's a lot of inexperienced and young receivers and tight ends. They didn't look like they were playing in their first playoff game. They just pantsed and outclassed what has been a dominant Cowboys defense all season long. That was awful from Dan Quinn. That was the worst the Cowboys defense has looked since he got to Dallas. That was, if he does end up being the Seattle Seahawks head coach, that was a hell of a way to go out. Micah Parsons was talking about earlier this week how the regular season was cute, but now it's time to be legendary, be remembered. That game will be, he and that defense, they'll be remembered for a long time. Not the way the Micah intended them to be remembered, that's for sure. So McCarthy is going to get fired for this this showing that we saw on Sunday. And if you're Jerry Jones now looking forward, right, you got to ask yourself, what are we missing? The biggest thing you're missing is championship DNA. You saw it on Sunday. You've seen it in the past as well. The Cowboys come playoff time, always find a way to blow it, whether it's lack of execution, lack of preparedness, lack of playing your up to your potential. They all fall short in some different way come playoff time because they don't know how to win the big game. Even though Mike McCarthy's won a Super Bowl, he has never, and he's won 12 games in the regular season all three years, he has never had this team fully and truly ready to play a big-time game in the playoffs. Even in games they've won in his time, won against the, the Buccaneers last year, they look good because okay, it was an 8-9 and nine Buccaneers team. Give me a break. The Cowboys never play well in the big games, and that is is what Dallas is missing. And that's why if you're Jerry Jones, you've got to look at saying, what we need is championship DNA. We've been missing it. We need a coach that's going to, in the big moments, give us an advantage instead of giving us a disadvantage. McCarthy's gotten out coached, it feels like, in almost every playoff game he's been in, at least in Dallas. That's got to change. And that's why if I'm Jerry, the first name I'm calling is Jim Harbaugh. You got to get Jim Harbaugh on your sideline and give him control. Give him keys to the car. You got the talent there. What you are missing is exactly what Harbaugh brings. Championship medal. Knowing how to win big games. Knowing how to have your team ready, prepared, executing in the big time games and have them peak in the playoffs, not play down or play scared like we've seen Dallas do in the Mike McCarthy era in the playoffs. And if you are Jerry, look, I know Jim Harbaugh's abrasive and he is difficult to work with and he wants control. If you are Jerry, you have to give him control. You need to give Harbaugh anything and everything he wants because the guy knows how to win. And if you want to win, Jerry, before you die, you need to give up control. You need to let someone who knows what they're doing take over the reins completely. Otherwise, it's going to be the definition of insanity. We're going to see the Cowboys with all their talent win 10, 11, 12 games every single year and then flame out in the playoffs. If you truly, if you're Jerry Jones and you truly want to win a Super Bowl before you kick the can, your answer is Jim Harbaugh. 
If not, Jim, I think Mike Vrabel is a tremendous number two choice. I know Bill Belichick's been a popular, popular name thrown around. I would have him third on my list, in part because I got to see who he's going to bring in as offensive coordinator. I want nothing to do with Josh McDaniels. I am very skeptical about Bill's offensive ability. Whether And you don't have to worry about you know drafting players. You got a lot of talent on the offense in Dallas. But I am skeptical even of his hires on the offensive side of the football. That, to me, gives me pause if I was Jerry Jones or bringing Bill in. So the order of names I would call if I'm Jerry Jones that I think would give you the best chance to truly win a Super Bowl in the near future. Jim Harbaugh, one. Mike Vrabel, two. Bill Belichick, three. On the flip side here for Green Bay. Look, love's a real one, man. He is a real deal. I give the Packers a lot of credit. I give Love himself a lot of credit. Again, in this game, I view, I went into the season viewing Jordan Love as a rookie. I know he's been there. I know he sat, but he hasn't played. And I think how you truly learn is by playing. And it was up and down um, in the early parts of the year. But to his credit, he has continued to grow, continue to get better. And he now looks, now that he's finally comfortable with the speed of the game, you can really tell that sitting behind Aaron Rodgers has benefited Love tremendously. I mean, you watch that game on Sunday. There was a few throws he's making. We're like, that's Aaron Rodgers. The flick of the wrist, the ability to rush to the line in order to either draw Dallas offsides or snap the ball with too many men on the field as the Cowboys try to make a substitution and get a free pay, uh, free play. That's all Aaron Rodgers. And you see sitting behind him, absorbing all those small details that Rodgers um, perfected in Green Bay that allowed him to win a lot of games and allow him to really play well in a, in a lot of big moments. That is what you saw Jordan Love absorb and then also execute on Sunday. Wasn't flattered, uh, or I should say flustered, wasn't flustered in the pocket, took his time, read the defense really well, zero mistakes. That guy looked like he was playing his 20th playoff game, not his first. That is really, really impressive. And it's not just him. It's the young players as well. I mean, it's highlighted all throughout the year, all throughout the broadcast, how many first and second year receivers and tight ends Green Bay has relied on this season in the passing game. And they, too, were out there executing no mental mistakes, no running the wrong route, not freezing up in the big moment. Again, it's the first playoff game for a lot of these guys in offense especially the skilled positions. And they came out there and played really, really well. A big credit to them, a big credit to Jordan Love and the Packers. They are a hot team. That's going to, to me, San Francisco, anything, I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. They are, are the mayor of uh, my pick, and I feel very confident about it. That's a hot team, though, rolling into Santa Clara next Sunday. A big props to Green Bay. Most importantly, out of the season, whenever it ends, next week, week after that, you got your QB. He may not live up to Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre in terms of all-time greatness, but you got your franchise quarterback. Congratulations. All right. The most, I think, heartwarming game of the weekend, Lions 24, Rams 23. First and foremost, a big, big, big congratulations to Lions fans. Look, you have suffered a lot. You have gone through a lot of hell. I am very happy for you. This is a tremendous night. This is... I mean, first playoff win in 32 years, you deserve it. You are, are a fan base that absolutely deserves it. And look, let me tell you, Monday morning, that hangover, that's going to be the greatest hangover of your life. Enjoy it. Very happy for you, especially too against your old foe or against your, against your old boo. I should say Matthew Stafford coming into town, trying to play spoiler. 
picture perfect, everything you could have drawn up for Detroit going their way. First home playoff game, first playoff win in a long time. Congratulations, Lions fans. You deserve it. I'll be honest, I doubted you. I did not think the Lions would win this game. And to me, what's most impressive about the Lions winning this game is that they won it relying on their weaknesses. Like the reasons why I picked the Rams to win this game ended up being the reasons why Detroit won. One of the biggest things is the pass defense for Detroit. I thought Stafford was going to cook all game long. And look, he did for a large part of the game. But when the Lions needed stops, every single time this defense got it. They didn't get many stops. They, though, got the clutch stops you need to win this game. We'll start with the third down to Pukunakua, third and 16, four minutes left. Um, incomplete pass, you get off the field. Now, could it have been a flag? Absolutely. A little bit of an early jersey pull. I've seen less called, right? Could have been defensive holding, could have been defensive pass interference. But with that said, should it have been a flag? Yes. But the Lions, I mean, not like they've gotten screwed and been on the wrong side of calls this season. Do they deserve a break and a flag to go in their favor this season? Absolutely. Absolutely. But it's also not just that one play. It's also the red zone. Like this game was truly won in the red zone. Rams 0 for 3 in terms of scoring touchdowns. Lions 3 for 3. You won it right there with your ability in offense to convert touchdowns, but you won it with your defense getting the stops and holding the Rams consistently to three points. Stafford had a field day between the 20s um, in this game, but credit to their defense. As soon as the Rams crossed over to the 20-yard line, locked down, clamps down, and they did an A-plus job at keeping the Rams out of the end zone. That was the difference. Like, Easy right there. Red zone offense, red zone efficiency was the difference in this game. And if you're the Detroit, like all it took was just one busted coverage, right? One of those three trips to be a touchdown instead of a field goal. We're talking about the Rams going to the second round of the playoffs. Detroit, to your credit, got toasted all game. But when you needed it most, whether it's a, whether it's a third down to Puka Nakua that you got to stop for, or whether it's anytime the Rams got in the red zone, Hold them to three, not seven. That is where the game was won. Props to you. The biggest weakness in this game, which was Detroit's pass defense, came up clutch, ended up winning them the game. Another surprise for me in this one, too, is that, especially early on in the first half, this was shaping up to be a big-time shootout. Goff, Stafford going up and down the field, zero punts, three touchdowns for Detroit, two touchdowns and a field goal for uh, for the Rams. And I thought if that continued in the second half, it would favor the Rams, like big time advantage for the Rams because they have the quarterback advantage. Stafford is better and clutcher than Goff. And I really thought that if you just give Jared Goff enough opportunities, he would turn it over. He would find a way to have a, a clutch or I should say a key miscue that changed the game in the favor of the Rams. And to Goff's credit, even though the offense bogged down in the second half, he never had that game-changing interception, sack, fumble, decision, poor decision that changed the game in the favor of the Rams. He did a great job all game again. Stafford was cooking all game long up and down the field, but Goff was clutch. He was very clutch. Again, no mistakes, some big throws. And also, too, speaking of clutch and big throws, that third down conversion to win the game, great throw by Goff, great catch by Amon Ross St. Brown. Goff was clutch. When they needed him, he came through and did not make a mistake, which we've seen Jared Goff do once or twice in a big game. 
he didn't let that be the difference in the game. It was something I thought that would benefit the Rams big time. Ended up being a big benefit to the Lions. One thing I also love too in this game is that Detroit didn't shy away from who they are. We've watched a lot of playoff games in the past where teams get to the position they're in, which is the playoffs or maybe even hosting a playoff game. And then all of a sudden, what got them there, whether it's the run game, whether it's maybe a great defense, maybe it's being aggressive, whatever it may be, they get away from that in the big game. They they try to overthink it. They get too cute. And all of a sudden, the strength of their team in the biggest game of the season, they find a way to get, get away from it. Detroit was not that. And I give Dan Campbell specifically a lot of credit for that. What have the Lions been all season long? Aggressive. Going forward on fourth down. Faking punts. Do whatever it takes to kind of push the envelope and give them as many advantages and as many breaks as possible. And I think it's very easy for Dan Campbell with the magnitude of this game. First home playoff game again since 1992. You haven't won a playoff game since 1992. There's so much pressure on you here to come up and win this game. You could have let that pressure turn you into being conservative. Uh, Fourth down, I don't know if I want to go for it. But in this case, two-minute warning, up by one at home, one timeout left for the Rams. You could have easily been content of, you know what? We're going to run the ball twice, and we're going to play it safe, and we're just going to try to, bare minimum, if anything, bleed time off the clock and not give a lot of time for Matthew Stafford and co. to have to go down the field in order to try to kick a game-winning field goal. And what did Dan Campbell do? Screw conservative nature. I'm going for it. Second down pass, Goff to Amon Ross and Brown. That's the game. That's the game. Detroit won this game on the backs of their defense, getting clutch stops and being aggressive when they've been aggressive all season long. I really was nervous about Dan Campbell going into this game. Again, I thought the, the two biggest reasons why I picked LA to win this game, quarterback, head coach, Stafford is better and more experienced than Goff and McVay. I mean, I thought he'd coach circles around Dan Campbell. I was really scared and a little bit put off by Dan Campbell's demeanor and how he took what was an absolute screw job in the whole report, not report, Cowboys ending, where I thought he was too emotional. And you saw that emotion in going for two after the penalty was called on the seven-yard line, which was just flat out stupid. I was worried that this was a guy that was going to let his emotions get the best of him. And in a highly emotional, stressful environment, that's a home playoff game. I thought that pressure would get to him, whether it's making some ill-informed decisions, whether it's not sticking to who he is. I give Dan Campbell a lot of credit. He coached a great game and again, did not shy away from who he is and who this team is in 2023, which is being aggressive going for it, and in going for it on second down, game on the line outside of the two-minute warning or just after the two-minute warning, first down, game over, aggressiveness, pays off for the Lions, something they've been doing all season long. Big credit to Dan Campbell. That's how you win your first playoff game in 32 years. Very happy for those Lions fans. Back again at home next week. That place is going to be jumping. All right, let's go to Saturday's action. This was the most predictable game of the weekend. Easiest game, I think, to pick. Chiefs 26, Dolphins 7. It was played in the elements, right? It was negative 30 real feel during the game. There was no easier pick to make than the Chiefs winning this game. There was not a doubt in my mind. And there's not even, honestly, much analysis to break out of it just because it was so predictable. So what what I want to talk about is the future. 
if you're Miami, you can't bring Tua back. Like if you bring Tua back in 2024, you are not serious about winning. This is a quarterback that routinely struggles in the biggest games of the season. He cannot elevate your team. One of the biggest things I think you need your quarterback to do is elevate the guys around you. Tua can't do that. He can't make Tyreek Hill better in a big game. Hill makes Tua better. Same with Jalen Waddle. Same with Raheem Mostert. They all make Tua better. He can't make them better. And you see that in the biggest games when the Dolphins are playing teams at their skill level or better. They lose them all for the most part. Why? Because Tua can't Tua can't rise up to a level when you're playing good teams to outdo the other quarterback or make Tyreek Hill even better than he is. And so if you're Miami, you have a window right now, right? You got Hill, you got Waddle, you got most of like, you got some guys in the offensive line that are a little bit older. Like your window to win is right now. You can't get, I don't think you can afford to bring Tua back in 2024 because I think all you're doing is just running back where you're going to score 70 on bad teams. You'll beat the crap out of the Panthers, no problem. But when it comes to beating the Bills, you're going to fall short again. I don't see how you could bring Tua back in 2024. And the playoff game is not even the reason for it. Uh, to me, the Bills game is the reason for it. The week before, losing that game at home with the division on the line, you that, that should have been in Miami playing the Steelers. Said you're on the road in negative 30-degree Kansas City. That's why Tua should be moved on from if you're the Dolphins. And I think this, the solution for Miami is very simple in a few ways. You look at this offense, where Mike McDaniel came from, and the skill, talent on the offense. It is the AFC version, the AFC light version, because it's not exactly uh, identical. AFC light version of the 49ers. A lot of skill, talent. I, I still like Mike McDaniel. I think he's a smart coach. All you need is a quarterback that can execute. All you need is your own Brock Purdy. And you look at the free agent market, a name that I like a lot, that I think would be a really good fit. Kirk Cousins. Go out there, give Kirk an offer he can't refuse and get him to be your quarterback in Miami. If not, if Kirk says no, he wants to stay in Minnesota or go somewhere else, I think you look in the draft, whether it's Michael Penix Jr., who has, I think, a lot of tools that and traits that Tua doesn't, um, that's a guy I would absolutely consider drafting and, and bringing to town and trying to win. Like, I don't think you need to look at the top five quarterbacks or top seven quarterbacks in the NFL and say, we got to get one of those guys. You don't like, you look at Brock Purdy. I think all you need is someone that's experienced that can execute an offense. And I think you'll be set with how much skill talent is around the quarterback in Miami. I think you don't have to, the upgrade I think is easier than you think. Just like the 49ers going from Jimmy G to Trey Lance to Jimmy G to Brock Purdy. And, seeing only an increase and an uptick in success. I think if you're Miami and you have, you find your own Brock Purdy, I don't think it's that difficult to have more success than you did with Tua. That's all you need. To me, that's why you can't bring Tua back here in 2024. You've seen enough time to move on on the flip side for the chiefs. Like my biggest takeaways are she rice man's a real deal. I, I, said it for a large part of the season when the Chiefs are having big time wide receiver problems. One of the biggest reasons why I was nervous about Kansas City in the playoffs was because if you are relying on a rookie wide receiver, you're screwed. You are screwed. And you know what? I was wrong. That's not the case. Rasheed Rice, big time game, 130 yards, one touchdown. You can 
rely on a rookie receiver in the playoffs. He showed out big time, did not the elements um, pressure him. What's like, you know, impact him whatsoever. You saw in that game, that was Mahomes' number one target. I mean, even over Kelsey. It was a big third down and he was looking Rice's way. That shows you how much the rookie has grown, how much Mahomes already trusts him. That's a guy that I think is going to be an absolute game changer for the rest of the postseason. Um, and also, too, now, if you look ahead towards you know the future of the next few years, with Travis Kelsey being 34 years old, I think you could feel really good right now if you're the Chiefs of, well, we got Travis's replacement already on the team. It's Rasheed Rice. Like, once Travis retires um, or his, his prime truly falls off, and now he's no longer the best tight end in the NFL or one of the best tight ends in the NFL. I think you feel really good about Rice sliding in and taking over that number one role. That's also another big takeaway for Kansas City. You have found your future replacement for Travis Kelsey in Rasheed Rice. Big time win for Kansas City. Again, conditions, how to is played in big games. Easiest game to predict of the weekend. Finally, Texans 45. Browns 14. Didn't see this coming. I definitely did not see this score coming. I thought the Browns um, were going to go in there and kick the crap out of them for the second time in a few weeks. And the biggest thing that impressed me in this game was the poise of CJ Stroud. Blew me away. Like, even if you go back to draft time, right? When, when it was Stroud, is it Bryce Young? Is it Anthony Richardson? Who should go number one overall? The biggest question for me when it comes to C.J. Stroud was, how does he play in the big games? We saw it against Ohio State twice. We saw it against even Oregon um, uh, in 2021. Like In the biggest games of the season, Stroud tended to play his worst. And that was in part because he didn't really have the poise um, in the pocket that you needed to kind of hang in there and make some big-time throws in a big game. He wasn't doing it. And so we knew we knew about his accuracy. We knew about his tremendous arm strength he possessed, right? And his great ability to throw the deep ball like that. Those were no questions coming out of the draft um, or coming out of Ohio State going into the draft. The biggest thing for me was his poise and his ability or lack thereof to get rattled. And he continues to answer that week after week. And now in a playoff game, he showed you there's no doubt about his poise in the pocket and his ability to step up in a big moment. Like for me, the most impressive stat, and there's a lot of really good stats here for the Texans coming out of this game. The most impressive stat I liked coming out of Saturday was zero. Zero sacks allowed by the Texans offensive line. Now, some of that has to do with Stroud and his ability to show poise, show some really good pocket presence, move out of the way and avoid sacks and keep plays alive. But a huge, huge tip of the cap to the Texans offensive line. For how great Stroud was in that game, you could easily argue if if Stroud's MVP, MVPA is those five guys blocking for him. They were tremendous. They gave, they gave Stroud time all game long to look deep, to throw it deep. He wasn't forced to dump it down or get rid of the ball fast because that Browns pass rush was relentless. They were MIA. I mean, they had one QB hit the entire game. That's it. Otherwise, they didn't touch him. This was a team that was sixth in the league in sacks, and they mustered with Miles Garrett. One of the best players in the one of the most intimidating players in the league. And they mustered 
one QB hit. Absolute clinic put on by those five guys for the Texans. They have been beleaguered. They have been injured all season long. And in the biggest game against a vaunted pass rush, stepped up, crushed them, gave Stroud all the time in the world, let him feel comfortable, let him get his feet set, excuse me, throw the ball down the field, let him hit his deep shots. They were tremendous. Stroud was amazing. And again, if you're Houston, you got to easily feel like you hit the biggest home run out of the draft. And now you are a team that's going to be reckoned with for a very long time. Very, very, very long time. But that offense line deserves a big tip of the cap as well for what they were able to do in controlling the line of scrimmage and giving Shroud all the time he needed. So Texans continue to surprise and roll Stroud. Let me tell you, man, holy cow. Houston got themselves a real one. Kansas City, Rasheed Rice rises. Well, if you're Tua or if you're the Dolphins, I don't know how you can bring Tua back in 2024. Jared Goff was clutch, and that line's defense got a lot of big-time stops when needed. That was the game. The red zone defense was the was the reason why Detroit won. Pass defense, a huge, huge, huge reason for that for Detroit. A weakness all season long, a strength on Sunday, despite the fact they got toasted between the 20s. <laughs> and the biggest laugh of the weekend, Cowboys getting blown out by the Packers. Dan Quinn, again, coached like he was already onto Seattle getting ready to accept their head coaching job. Mike McCarthy is going to be the fall guy. He's going to get fired, may already be fired as you listen to this. But if you're Dallas, what you need, what you truly need is a coach with championship DNA. The guy I think that is the best fit for that, Jim Harbaugh. It's been, a, a honestly, a wild card weekend. Three to the four games filled with blowouts. Filled with blowouts. Those those are my two thoughts as we get set for, or my thoughts, I should say, on those games. Two games left to go on Monday. We'll give you some thoughts about those games when they do conclude. But a, a wild, say the least, wild card weekend right here to open up the playoffs. If you like what you hear, subscribe to the channel, like the video, come on. We'll keep on pumping videos like this out. And if you're more of an audio guy, you see the face and say, I can't look at Ryan for a half hour. I, I like what he's saying, but I can't look at him. No problem. Check out the podcast version of this found under the Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E, available wherever you do get your pods. That's where you can listen to this and avoid this face for radio. Appreciate listening. We'll be back after the two Monday games uh, to wrap up fully wildcard weekend and start to look ahead to a divisional round in the NFL.